0: Thank you.
1: Morning, welcome back to the show, Radical Health Seeker. Today, we're talking all about goals. Now, stay with me for a second. I know goals can kind of be like, oh, here we go again, smarter goals, yada, yada, yada. It's not that, it's a little bit different. I'm gonna explain to you why, actually. You're right, most goals do fail, but why, if you follow this goal-setting framework, that your goals will not fail because you will see the method to the madness, the values, the systems, the inherent flavors of motivation, and all the psychology good stuff around why actually having aligned goals can just help you Number seven on our framework, Achieve Your Why. So whilst we don't focus too much today, and except for our callers, on the diet stuff, this applies to everything that you do because it's ultimately all about allowing you to live the kind of life that you really want for yourself and your health and your families and your future. And then, as always, we get into our callers on the show where we talk to Susan, who is a 65-year-old grandma who's living the animal-based lifestyle, looking to be a good example for her grandchildren. And just has some questions, questions about macro breakdowns and supplementation, and Corey from Idaho who has a question all about gut healing and SIBO and reintroducing foods after long-term carnivore dieting. This should be a fun one. I think there'll be a lot in it for you. So let's dive in and get you some juicy goals. Hello Radical Health Seeker, welcome back to the show. Today, we're talking all about goals. I know, I know, goals can kind of be like, oh, goals, What's that's not gonna be much fun, goals don't work, blah, blah, blah. Well, I agree with you to a point but I don't think it's that goals don't work, I think it's the way in which people approach goals and this whole topic that sucks the fun out of life and sets people up for failure, which is why we have all of these cliches around goal setting, the obvious one being New Year's resolutions will often fail probably before the end of January is up. if not if you're lucky maybe you make it to February, but they don't actually make lasting change. But goals aren't necessarily bad. In fact, if you make your goals work for you, they can be incredibly empowering. And I wanna dispel some of the common myths around goal setting, some of the ways in which you can use goals to build the future that you want and ultimately get what it is that you want or what you want to want. Because if there's something that I am sure of in life is you are very, very unlikely to get what you don't take aim at. And I think a lot of people, and I've been this way and guilty of this for a long time in my life too, for those reasons that I just said, oh, goals don't work and blah, 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 you don't need goals. I think it can lead a person to kind of drift a little too aimlessly through life, a little without the direction. Now, goals don't necessarily have to also be so stringent and adhered to that they become a source of stress. A good analogy to use with goals is almost like, bumper lanes when you are bowling, that you don't just bowl gutter balls over and over again because you haven't established any kind of framework to bounce off of. Because if you tried bowling when you were learning, when you were a little kid, and there was none of those rails, every ball is a gutter ball, you're not gonna enjoy that game very much, right? And the game of life is designed to be played and enjoyed and we need something to keep us on the tracks. We need something to know that if we do get a little bit off, we can bounce back into the middle and keep finding our center point. And I like to view goals in that way. They orient orient us towards something that we want, something that we want to want. And I think when it comes to goals, a lot of people make the mistake of just setting goals because they've been told by some productivity expert or some guy in a podcast that you must have goals and your goals should be smart, which means specific and measurable and achievable and realistic and time constrained and all of that classic stuff that we've maybe been taught in school or through Productivity 101, which hasn't worked for most people, which is why most people get kind of turned off by this concept of goals setting but it's something that I've used for myself personally and with each one of my one-on-one clients to get them a lot of success in their lives on getting what it is that they actually want from life and there arises the first missed step when people are setting goals they don't really know what they want they set these loose arbitrary goals that aren't really uniquely activating to them because they haven't taken a moment to connect with their values And I do this work with a lot of people, and you'd be surprised at how difficult it is for people to highlight what their core values are when you ask them. Values spread across many different buckets, as I would like to call them. There might be like a a self-value bucket, which can, you know, includes things like my health and my What am i known for what do i want to be known for my kind of uh, philosophical viewpoints that might be a family bucket which is all to do with family and relationships there might be a community bucket a career bucket a vocation bucket so values can get quite vast but if you don't know what you value it's going to get very tricky because you will probably set goals that aren't inherently aligned with what you really want and therefore won't be intrinsically motivating and uniquely exciting and activating to you. So at this moment, that would be the invitation in this process is to stop what you're doing and push pause, almost taking a higher zoomed out perspective on life for a second and really asking the question, what do I want? What is it that I want? And a provocative question to ask here sometimes is, what do you want to want? Because sometimes what I want can be hijacked by hedonic tendencies, or the lower self, or the inner bitch. It could be snooze, it could be ice cream, it could be you know slacking off and not doing what I know I could be doing. So sometimes it's what do I want to want? Do I want to be the kind of person that's excited to feed myself the most nutrient dense foods on the planet every day? Do I want to become the kind of person that achieves a certain level of success within this career or vocation? Do I want to be the kind of person that has a healthy, thriving relationship and one day become a parent? These are questions you must be asking because what you do today, you are going to be paying for tomorrow. And that can either be incredibly hopeful and you are making little deposits in your character and in your choices today that the, the future bill that you are going to foot is one of growth and alignment and you're moving closer towards that. Or it could be that you're paying the cost of today's actions and the consequences of that as you've drifted slowly further and further and further away from what you really want, what you really came here to do and to be and the lifestyle that you want to lead. So what do you want? what do you want for your family what do you want for your relationships what do you want for your career what do you want for your health and yourself what do you want for your community if you can draw some of those things out then the goal kind of maps on top of it as something that is there as a vehicle to achieve what you want not just something that you put on the calendar january 1st like i'm gonna lose 10 pounds right? If that's something that comes out, it's not inherently a bad goal. I don't think there's such thing as a bad goal necessarily, but if it's not tied to what you really want, or you've not dug underneath that to figure out, well, why do I want to lose 10 pounds? Because that's very surface level, right? What is it about this 10 pound story that I'm telling myself? Is it that I believe that when I achieve this 10 pound weight loss, that I will be more confident to be sexually intimate with my partner, with the lights on, for example. Ooh, now we just got something way more juicy out of this surface level goal of, I just wanna lose 10 pounds. And we have to go to the depths of what we're really looking for and why we really want this, because we have to start with why. Why we are doing what we are doing. What is it built upon? The foundation of our values. There's the old quote that a person with a strong enough why can endure anyhow. And the reason that most people's goals fail is they can't endure anyhow because they haven't established the strong enough why. So this is the values. And gonna give you different looks at, at, at takes of understanding this because I think it's all helpful. So I would say that values are like establishing what mountain in life you want to climb. The goal would be deciding which side of the mountain you are gonna climb or which path you want to take up the mountain. And then the systems would be the day-to-day actual climb, right? In in life, there's many walls you can climb. There's many mountains you can climb. There's even books and famous blog posts about this, the, the, the tale of the two mountains, because what so often happens in many people's lives, if they spend their whole life climbing a mountain only to get three quarters of the way up that sucker to realize they spent that time climbing the wrong mountain because they never stop to ask this question like, is this what I want? Do I really want this? Or is this what my parents wanted for me? Is this what culture wanted for me? Is this now not in alignment with my values? And then guess what? Well, I'm three quarters of the way up this mountain and I just realized I should have been on that mountain because that's where my values really live. And then we enter into this little trap called the sunk cost fallacy which basically states that the amount of energy or time we have sunk into something, we give more weight or cost to actually reverse engineering that process and starting again. It's very common in career and relationships like, okay, well, I don't enjoy my career path right now, but I've this is what I went to college for. This is what I've got all of that debt for. It pays moderately well. And what else am I gonna do? I've been doing it for 10 years. So I will sacrifice my future hope and happiness and real values because I've sunk a lot into this already. Relationships is another one, right? Well, you know, this relationship isn't that, you know, spicy anymore. We're not having that much fun, but yeah, I like this person. We've been together 10 years. Who's going to love me? So I'll just stay. So again, we can sacrifice our ultimate happiness, our real values, what we really want to want for something because we've sunk a lot of energy into it. But we can avoid this process altogether. We don't need to endure the sunk cost fallacy of making those potential mistakes by just starting with what we want. So again, in the sea of mountains in front of you, you can put the ladder on many, many walls, and it would be very helpful for you to make sure you first put the ladder up against the wall that you actually want to climb. Otherwise, it could be argued that you are just wasting time. And it's a very simple question to ask, what do I want? But it's not an easy answer to find because a lot of people haven't asked you this since you was in school. Maybe you've never even been asked this since you were a kid. Like, what do you want to be? And then you said, I want to be an astronaut. I want to be an NBA player. And people just kind of laughed at you. No, you know, that's cute. uh, But you're probably going to be a doctor. Are you going to be a lawyer? Are you going to be an engineer? Are you going to be these other things? But is that what you really wanted? Or is it what you want to want? Is it the kind of future that feels more hopeful for you? So pick the right mountain. If you feel good about that, there's your values. That's where you started. Now we've got to pick the path up the mountain because you could come at it from the north side, the south side, the east side, the west side. This is depending on your levels of fitness and how zigzag it is or is it straight up and all of that stuff. And then ultimately, once that is set, the goal is the pin on the map. It's the summit. We know where we're going now. We can almost forget about it altogether. We know we're going up. We know we're going that way. So now the system is the steps to get there one day at a time, one foot in front of the other and the course corrections. To recognize that if I get away from the summit and I start to go descending, I'm moving away from the target that I set for myself. So another analogy I like to think about a lot of the time is, let's imagine that your life is you on a boat in the middle of the ocean, nothing that you can see from miles around, but you have a target and it's a pin on a map that you've dropped on a dream island, 100 miles away from your current location. And today, your goal is to sail towards that. So you're a hundred miles away, you sail towards it, but let's say you're one degree off course, okay? Well, one degree off course, a hundred miles out will look exactly like it's on target. But if you kept one degree off course and sailed a hundred miles through the ocean, you would end up missing your target by quite a significant amount. And that's only one degree off course. So what would happen if you were five degrees off course or 10 degrees off course or what happens if you completely turned around and ran the other way as many people do and they say well this is what i want and these are my goals but their actions on the day-to-day seem to be running quite in opposition to that so this is where we get down to brass taxes essentially we need to understand what we want we need to set the goal but then the goal becomes almost obsolete because it's replaced by the systems that are going to get us there the becoming if you will And this is another area where goals fall down for most people. They are focused wholeheartedly and overly so on the achievement of the outcome and not the process of becoming the kind of person that gets to the goal. The real trick with goal setting is not to get what you want. The goal is to become the kind of person that gets to deserve to have what they want. That is the process. The outcome is a consequence of becoming the kind of person that gets to deserve it. The losing of the 10 pounds is the outcome. But if all I can see is the outcome, then there's a few traps in its place. What I'm doing is I'm setting myself up for I'll be happy when syndrome because I'm saying this goal is what I want and this will make me happy. So until I've lost 10 pounds, I will not be happy and then I will be happy. Now, some issues arise there because... That's at a point in the future, you might be robbing yourself of enjoying and falling in love with the process on the day to day. You also might never make it to that 10 pound weight loss because you've chosen unsustainable methods and therefore you're denying yourself that feeling of being happy and fulfilled. You're also probably going to set yourself up for feeling like a failure and then never trying again. And you're just missing the opportunity to realize I need a goal because I need to orient myself towards something. Again, I'm not going to get what I don't take aim at. But once I've taken aim, I just need to be directionally correct in the, in, in the direction that I'm facing. And I need to focus wholeheartedly on the process of becoming the kind of person that gets to have what it is that I am looking for. Because that's all to do with my identity. If I am somebody that just wants to lose 10 pounds, then I'm somebody that wants to lose 10 pounds. But if I change my identity to become the healthy person, and I do what the healthy person does, and I implement the right sustainable methods along the way, then I can see into the future that the formality of me losing 10 pounds is almost a foregone conclusion. But I had to change how I saw myself. I was no longer the fat person trying to lose 10 pounds. I stepped into the identity of being my healthier self, which means I walk a little bit more. I eat an animal-based diet. I prioritize sleep and stress management. And by doing that and becoming that kind of person, then slowly over time, that scale starts to move in the right direction. And I don't have as much trap falls along the way of getting off path because of this relentless obsessive relationship with the bathroom scale on the floor and my relationship to gravity, because I can focus on something more real, something more tangible, the process of becoming that person, because that's what it's all about. Carol Dweck, the author of Mindset, the book, she wrote the whole book on the growth mindset, which is a huge facet to achieving growth in life, which is essentially, things are not fixed, I am malleable, I can upgrade, I can become whatever I want to become with enough work, had the famous line that becoming is better than being. And what she's trying to say there is, having things is nice, but it gets kind of boring. What is really rewarding is getting them, acquiring them, becoming the kind of person that gets to have them. The Having them is just the consequence of the reward of becoming that kind of person. But that's where the, the, all the gold is. That's the juice. You know, when you get to the top of that proverbial mountain and you look out over the summit, it is so sweet because you had to climb 15,000 meters to get there. If you dropped yourself off in a helicopter ride, I'm sure the views would be lovely, but you wouldn't feel that intrinsic sense of motivation and fulfillment for all the hard work and the missteps along the way and the stone in your shoe and the path that you had to take that went around the mountain because you didn't know there was a you know a collapse over here and the bridge was damaged and all of these little speed bumps that become along the way in life. But if you're only focused on the goal, when those roadblocks arise, you are likely to turn around and run if you know that it's ultimately about becoming the kind of person that can persevere and really wants that because it's aligned with your values, you can endure any how because your why is strong enough. So it's very important when we think about goals to become a process oriented person, not just an outcome oriented person. And of course, it's okay to want outcomes. That's why we set goals. You obviously want something. You want to look a certain way. You want to earn a certain amount of financial stability. All of that is okay. It's not wrong. But again, the ultimate goal is to become the kind of person that gets to have those things, not just the relentless pursuit of outcomes, which can lead to an awful lot of, I'll be happy when syndrome, blaming and complaining, victimizing myself and the way the world works and just taking radical responsibility that those things are mine for the taking if I can become that person. And this now branches into the flavor of motivation, if you will, that we use to acquire those things. The person that is process oriented, which is the ideal when it comes to goal setting, is much more often driven by something called an intrinsic motivation this goal and pursuit of something more let me see how good i could become versus i just want to get jacked let me see how strong i could become let me see how healthy i could become versus let me just you know lose 10 pounds and look skinny on the beach in mexico because the relentless pursuit of the outcome is often extrinsically motivated. It's often, well, people will see me this way. If I look this way on the beach, I'll get more likes on my Instagram. If I earn this amount of money, I'll be able to buy these amounts of things. And that will impress these people that I don't really like, but I've been told that this is how I impress them. It's all extrinsic, it's very flimsy. That is not rock solid. It's not a strong foundation to build from. If my goals are in alignment with my values and I'm pursuing that and the course of becoming, and it's really about me, not about them not about what they think, not about what that gets me in their eyes, but what about this gets me because it's what I want, the kind of life that I want to live for my families, my relationships, my people, my desire, my dharma, then that thing right there is very firm. It stands on very solid ground. And that comes from a place of intrinsic motivation. Now, of course, as well, we know that motivation is not a reliable ally. Talked about this in the past in the episode, discipline equals freedom, the Jocko line, and the difference between motivation versus discipline. You need to have the right orientation and birthplace of that motivation. And you need a good dose of reality that you're not always gonna be super motivated to work on your goals. Life happens, right? Motivation is a feeling, it's fleeting, it comes and goes. So when you have it, use it, check the orientation and the flavor of it, but also know that you're going to need a good dose of discipline along the way, which is doing what you want, doing what you know you need to do, even when you don't want to do it. Because a lot of the time life's gonna get hard and you're not gonna want to do the kind of things that is required for you to become your higher self. And that's where the disciplined version of you has to step in and anchor re-back to these values, re-anchor back to this why. Versus the motivated version of you, which is great, it's doing what you want when you want to do it. So when we have that, use it and capture it, but really focus on letting this motivation bubble up out of a place that's intrinsically motivated versus extrinsically motivated for the rewards, for the accolades, for the approvals. Because that's kind of abdicating a little bit of your own self-worth and self-love and putting it in the minds and eyes of other people. And that's not a very good place to live. You want that to be right in here for you. So we've got intrinsic and extrinsic motivation, which is tied to another flavor of motivation, which I love to highlight for people. Because it'll be uh, a light bulb moment, I think, for you when you see how you've set goals in the past and maybe how you're setting goals currently which is this idea of away from motivation versus towards motivation. Now, when we set goals, when we set values, when we allow ourselves to dream a dream life into fruition in our minds and we allow ourselves to dream big, it's important to have something that you can see. If you can't even believe it, you will never achieve it. If you can't see it, you'll never even get started. And we've spoke a little bit about this in the past too. It's it's almost this self-preservation trap that we don't want to be disappointed. So most of us don't even allow ourselves to dream big and think about what a dream life would look like because we'll just be disappointed when it doesn't happen. But by virtue of not allowing ourselves to believe it or see it, we guarantee that it will never happen. So you must choose whether you want to at least try or not try at all. And I'm always going to push you to try because I think you can live with the consequences of that. If you try and you fail, then you'll be okay because you tried. But the only way that you're ever gonna win at life is if you try, because nobody wins who's afraid of losing. So you need to have something to move towards. You need a vision. You need that picture. You need that hope. You need to know what you want to want. And at the same time, you probably need to be moving away from something that's a little bit painful. But people put too much focus on the latter and maybe not enough focus on the former. And what I mean by that is away from motivation is all about moving away from something painful. And this gets very negative very quickly. It's a very stressful way to live. Analogy that I use a lot is, let's say you put your hand on a hot stove, it burns. There's a lot of motivation because of a lot of pain to move your hand away very, very fast. But once the hand is off the stove and the burners subside, there's no motivation for me to move continuously further and further and further away from the stove. I just realized that I've got far enough away that I've removed the source of pain. Now let's make this more realistic for a second in terms of body composition goals. Let's say for example that the motivating factor for me to want to lose body fat and improve my health is I'm moving away from the pain of my self-image. I'm moving away from the pain of my scathing negative voice that just condemns me in the mirror. I'm moving away from the pain of knowing that I'm going on vacation in a couple of months and I'm so anxious and worried about going to the beach. Now, that can be a very powerful motivator. It can get you started. It's like lighter fluid. You can see that it could be very motivating to have something to move away from. But a couple of issues arise here. Number one is that away from motivation is not directional. It's just all about moving away from something I hate, but it doesn't tell me which direction I'm moving. So I might force a solution on this problem and just create a new problem. So it's directionless, which is not good. And secondarily, what happens when the source of the pain has been addressed and we trained ourselves to always need pain and something to move away from, to spur us into action. So in this example, let's say we're using that same analogy of, I want to lose 10 pounds because I hate myself. I'm very cruel to myself, et cetera, et cetera, which many people do. And that is enough of the motivation because it's painful to hire the personal trainer, do the animal-based diet, you know, get walking every day, exercise and prepare for your July trip to Mexico. Wonderful. Amazing. You're actually going to the beach now. You lost your 10 pounds. You feel great. But now what happens? Because you're not in pain anymore. Well, You go on holiday, you enjoy your holiday, you come back. That source of pain and that scathing voice isn't quite there. So the old habits start to come back in. You let loose on your animal-based diet a little bit. You start to eat more of the snacks, more of the mouth pleasure. You cancel your gym membership. And all of a sudden, before you know it, you're right back to where you started. And then the negativity comes back. And then the pain comes back. So if you've been a person that's like this in life, up and down, up and down, you go really hard and fast and then you crash and burn really fast. You've likely chosen away from motivation a lot of the time. Now, the goal here is not necessarily to never use it. It's to understand, again, it's costly. It runs hot. It burns very fiery. It's a stressful way to live, but it can get you going. The goal is to realize when I've started from that energy, now I need to pivot it. It's enough to get me going. It's powerful to move away from pain but I want to run towards something that I really want. There's the direction piece coming back. It's not directionless anymore because it's not just about getting away from this. It's about getting away from this and moving towards this. I need to be moving towards something more hopeful for myself. The same beach and body composition and losing 10 pound analogy again, the away from motivation is like, I got to lose it because I look fat and ugly and I feel gross and that's the away from. The towards flavor of that motivation would still be okay, I would like to lose the 10 pounds in the future, but let me move towards my most healthy self. Let me see if I can treat myself with the level of self-respect and self-control and discipline to become the strongest I've ever become, to become the fittest I've ever become, to become the healthiest I've ever become through how I feed myself. Look at just the the energy and the flavor of that approach that's going for the same goal. And that one then, when I start to say, let me become the healthiest version that I've ever been, let me become the strongest that I've ever been, it's a little trick to the mind because it's also an infinite game. When I say lose 10 pounds and I reach it, then I've completed it and the motivation can fall away. When I say, let me become the strongest that I've ever been, when I get stronger, I just want to become stronger still. When I get healthier, I become healthier still. These are infinite games. You can't win at health. The goal isn't to win at health. The goal is to keep getting healthier and this is towards motivation right so we want arguably said we want both of these there's the famous rat experiment that gets talked about jordan peterson popularized this and that's where i heard it from first but it highlights the difference here they um tested they starved rats and then they gave them the opportunity to run through a maze and find food the towards motivation something they really wanted and they measured the force that the rats would pull to achieve this. And the rats would pull really hard because they were really hungry. And in theory, you would think if they were starving, they're going to run as hard as they can to find this food. And then they repeated this experiment and also same conditions, but now as well, they wafted the scent of a cat in from behind. So now the mice were running towards the food that they really wanted, but they were also running away from something that they were fearful of. And they pulled like 50% harder. So, they had an extra reserve. They had an extra tank that was completely untapped when they didn't have the thing they were moving away from. And maybe there's some wisdom in that too. Maybe it's not all about sunshine and rainbows and this dream future. Like, we need that. We need something to orient ourselves towards, and something that we desire and we can move towards. But we also need to be realistic and say, like, What don't I like right now? What am I moving away from? Can I be real and honest with myself about my current habits and how they're hurting me and damaging me sometimes? And I need to have that to move away from as I pull myself towards this better future. Because maybe that's the perfect little combination, the Goldilocks, if you will, the just right of getting goal setting right when we're choosing this flavor of motivation. So... With that all kind of laid out on the table, we're starting with values, what you want, what you want to want, you're, you're picking your mountain, if you will, and then the goal of knowing that, all right, we've got our mountain, now we're going to put our pin on the top of the summit and pick the path and the direction, then we have to do it, <laughs> then we have to climb, and we have to do this now, it's all good to vision board and, and dream this stuff into reality and, and create like a, you know, a goal wish list and, and do all of this. And you can sit down and you can manifest away and all of that stuff. And that's great if that resonates with you. But where the rubber's really going to hit the road is, are you going to become the kind of person that gets to have these things by actually being it? And this is where it gets hard. I mean, this is the change process. Our culture teaches almost an unwritten and outdated way of getting things. And it's, do, have, be. So our culture would say, okay, you wanna, you wanna lose weight, okay? Why do you wanna lose weight, All right? Because you wanna feel confident, okay? So that's at the end of the equation. That's who I get to be. I get to be confident when I lose weight. So I'm gonna do the thing that I'm not currently doing, which is the gym and the diet. Then I'm gonna have the thing that I don't currently have, which is the, the body and the abs. And then I'm gonna be the thing which I'm currently not, which is confident and happy. So in theory, it's not terribly ill-sighted, right? It works, but it's kind of slow and it's outdated. And it's also, I hope you can see that it's also setting the traps for those I'll be happy when moments again. Is it really what you want because you're putting the thing that you say you want at the end of the equation? So I would like to throw do have be out of the window and flip it on its head a little bit and reverse engineer it and start with the B. Let's start though. If I'm doing all of this to achieve certain, whether it's confidence or whether it's financial security or whether it's. Um, meaning or purpose or whatever it is find out what is at the crux of why you're doing what you do and start to put that first and ask okay how could i be that person now not then not when i lose 10 pounds not in 12 months not when my business makes six figures plus how could i be that kind of person now what is required of me to be that person now because if i can truly root into the identity of being that person now the healthy person, the confident person, the successful person, and do what that person does, then it surely is only a matter of time until I have what that person has. It's hard sometimes to be that person because in a sense, you are casting yourself into a future that you don't quite yet see. But this is why we're beautiful, imaginative and creative creatures. We can do that. You can somewhat fake it until you make it. And you can imagine what it would be like to be your most confident self. And then you could start trying on the onesie of being that now and really trying to be that now. Because if I can be it, I will do what that person does. And if I can do it, I will have what that person has. So don't do, have, be, be, be that person. And the way you can be that person is everything that I've just spoke about, the values, what it is that you want. And then you will do, and then you will have. And if you can't be and do, then maybe you need to look at what you've set your sights on. And is it really aligned? Is it really what you want? And where you self-sabotaging? And then this stretches into so many other conversations about potentially your environment, where you live, who you surround yourselves around, the choices that you're making, the people that you're hanging around with, all of this stuff comes into the fray. Because part of being that most evolved self and getting what you really want is going to require not just doing things that you've never done before, but becoming somebody that you've never been before. And that's why it's difficult, but that's why it's also very rewarding. That's why it's great when you actually do set goals in this way and you achieve them and you can have radical jumps in the quality of your life and your health and your mindset and your relationships in a relatively short time frame when you're intentional about this process. So to close this loop, it all now boils down to those systems again. We've picked our mountain. We've picked our path. Now it's time to walk. This is the habits now. Systems, habits, interchangeable. Habits are a reflection of our identity, which is why I just spoke about why identity change is so important. And it's much easier to act your way into change than it is to think your way into change. So we first think, we strategize, we plan, and then we get busy acting, right? We act our way into change because it's that action that gives us the proof. It's that action that starts to build this undeniable stack of proof that we can become the kind of person that we're saying we are going to be. And then we're going to do those things. And then we're going to have those things. And it's not about radically changing your life overnight. You need to be a little bit more temperate and moderate sometimes. Another reason people fail a lot with their goals is they try to flip their entire life upside down overnight. And they're setting such unrealistic expectations. They're almost guaranteeing that they will fail. And what's left in the wake of that failure is me feeling that I am a failure. Not that oh, I chose some unsustainable methods and that's why I failed, but I am a failure. Because as soon as I am X, then it's very self-defeating. If I am a failure because I've failed at goals a bunch of times, then why even try? Goals don't work. But if, oh, maybe I'm not a failure. Maybe the whole way I've approached this in the past has set me up for failure because I had the wrong rules. I played the wrong game. And what if I'm actually very capable? What if I'm smart? What if I'm strong enough? What if I'm more capable than I ever could have imagined? If I play the right game or have the new rules. And this is all about the habits. It's all about the iterations. It's the, it's the building your new character and identity over thousands of iterations in layers of paint. Just one lick after one lick after one lick. And all of a sudden, you've got a mountain of evidence. And along that, you've grown. Yeah, you've probably moved through some growing pains too some teething pains, you might've even lost some people along the way. But this is what it's all about. If you're gonna get what you really want in life, right, and that's what I want for you. I want you to get what you want to want in life. Not just, nah, it's okay, it's not too bad. I don't want too bad. I want like, I'm on fire, right? Radical health. achieve your why. Why are we doing this? What's even the point of trying to become the most healthy person if what you get to have on the other side of being your healthier self is like, oh, it's all right. No, like something more. Habits, systems, course corrections along the day. You're back in that boat, you're sailing in the ocean. Every day, reorient your compass. Don't be one degree off because 100 miles from now, that means you miss 100 miles. Every day, little pull on the handle this way, little pull on the handle this way. And a reminder that I've said before, but I'll say it again, you're gonna miss okay it's not about being perfect every single day missing once is life you might get 10 degrees off course on one day missing twice is the choice you can always turn that wheel back and get dialed in again the next day missing once is life missing twice is the choice become the kind of person that doesn't allow themselves to miss twice but can also hold grace for themselves and be like yeah you know what i'm a human and humans are messy creatures and we have a lot to contend with and it's okay to miss once but it's a long game. Play the long game. This process-oriented goals is not about, you know, become a millionaire and shreddy Kruger in 30 days. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. It's the long game. It's the process of evolving into your most evolved self, into your higher self. And that's gonna take some time, but I promise you it's worth it. And I also promise you that you can cut down the time frame on what might take you 10 years of stumbling blindly through the dark into one year of very intentional self-development work if you approach it in this way. So I hope this gave you a newer, fresher look at goals, something to play with. Maybe you've been like I was for a long time of no point even setting goals. They don't work, what's it for? And focusing again on, yeah, maybe maybe it's time for me to take a little stock of where my life is heading. Be much more concerned with your current trajectory than your current results. A lot of people focus way too much on the results but be more concerned with your current trajectory because your trajectory tells you about where you're going. Your results right now are all based on what you've done in the past, but the past doesn't have the power to define your future. You can flip that around any moment you choose. So let's orient our trajectory right and be more concerned with that because if we get our trajectory right and we know that time is just a great amplifier and we trust that if we just be consistent with that 1% better every day, then the results will take care of themselves and that's really what it's all about. So there's a little bit of my insights on goal setting and values and systems. And I think that you can use that to create a more hopeful future for yourself and a bit more of a a plan, you know, a plan of action to become this kind of person, to focus on the process, to trust the outcomes will take care of themselves. But let me figure out what kind of person I want to be and let me go about becoming that person and living our radical health. So there you go, mates. Go set some goals, go set some goals and. While we're here, we're going to talk to some of our guests who are calling in from Indiana, California, and Idaho. Susan is first. Hello, Susan. Are you with us? What can I help you with?
2: Hi, Steve. I had a question in regard to um, radical health. How much protein, carbohydrates, fats, and calcium per day are an optimal for a 65-year-old plus female?
1: nice susan well that's firstly that's very radical that you're 65 year old plus and you're going for your radical health at this point so celebrating you congratulations to you um it depends a little bit Uh, it depends on a few little factors we can have kind of generic rules but like how much are you moving what are your goals right now your personal dietary preferences and all of that stuff so let's let's start with a little bit more context if you wouldn't mind susan in terms of what kind of lifestyle are you living are you uh, an active 65 year old what do you like to do what's the grand vision here tell me a little bit more
2: well, currently I take care of my granddaughter mm. uh, five days a week while my daughter and son-in-law are teachers and my grandson goes to school. So I try to stay active with her. She's uh, three years old, so she can keep you running. Oh, yeah. And also I, on the weekends, I try to get out in a lot of sunshine and do a lot of walking as much as possible.
1: Beautiful. I love that, Susan. Yes, I, I have a three-year-old and... Uh, I'm happy that I'm 33 doing that because like you said, they'll definitely keep you on your toes, but I'm guessing she's keeping you young as well, which is awesome. So I just love that. We talked a lot today about your why, right? And I think that's a really good, strong why. Let me be the best granny I could be for my little granddaughter. So I love that. Tell me a little bit, paint the picture for me, if you will, with your current state of health. What is your current, you know, body weight and how would you kind of assess your own health and what is the... Maybe have you got some goals here, you know, to um, talk about today's topics in terms of would you like to just maintain health and vibrancy? Do you have any targeted weight loss goals or strength gain goals or anything like that?
2: Well, I uh, started the animal-based diet approximately three years ago. Beautiful. And um, at, the, at the start, everything was great for the first year and then they oxalate, something kicked in. Mm. So now I'm trying to fine tune it a little for myself. So this is the reason why I want to, um, my goals are to, you know, make sure I'm getting enough protein, carbohydrates and um, calcium per day and fat so that I'm maintaining what I've already been working on for the last three years. And um, my height is about five feet, four inches. I'm about 123 pounds Mm -hmm. and um, no, no over-the-counter or prescription drugs so i'm I'm trying to keep what i have maintained and been working on going so i don't yeah. have to rely on anything but my diet basically and my uh, you know exercise plan as well as um you know spending time with my granddaughter and grandson
1: i love it i love it be being the example in a very profound way and uh I love to see it. Food is medicine, right? And you're a, a walk-in testament to that at this point. So um, you know, with the, let's start with the protein, because protein is is so important, especially in the aging population with real concerns about muscle wasting and sarcopenia. Um, the generic kind of prescriptive baseline would be 0.8 to one gram per pound of your ideal body weight. So let's just say that, you know, 125 number is pretty ideal for you right now. We're not trying to move it north or south, really. So that would put us on the high end for you at around 125 grams of protein per day, which is pretty good whack of protein. And probably on the lower end, somewhere around 100. And I think that is a good safe space for most people. Um, you know, uh, at your weight activity level, I think that would be pretty solid to shoot for somewhere in that window. And I guess it's a good point to ask this question at this point, Are you have you done any tracking? Have you ever plugged anything into a chronometer or anything like that to see where you're falling, just out of curiosity?
2: No, no, I haven't uh, been able to get that going yet. That's because I am on Medicare. Yeah. And they only say if you have certain things, they'll monitor it for you. Otherwise, you've got to, you know, do it all out of your own pocket. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. So there's, there's, there are, there are sites that you can use. There, there are, there's a website called Chronometer. Um, there is a bunch of other ones. There's, my fitness pal, there's all kinds of stuff that have inbuilt phone applications too, because if you're trying to come at this from a little bit more of a structured lens in terms of knowing, you know, amounts and weights and grams, you're going to have to at least somewhat loosely touch on being able to, um, you know, weight track measure and quantify this, right? Because if I say to you shoot for hundred grams of protein, and right now you're like, great, But i have no idea what 100 grams of protein looks like it's it's going to be trickier so you can plug these things into something like a chronometer which seems to be quite popular and see how that comes up and i think if i'm not wrong in saying about a pound of meat is depending on the the fat content of it but just like one pound of meat is going to get you pretty close to that you know 80 ish grams of protein maybe 100 depending on what the grind is and the fat level of content so there's at least a loose starting point there Now, with the other questions in mind, being that you're active, being that you're you're medicine free, being that it sounds like you're doing pretty good on your health journey. Carbohydrates is is a little bit more of a nuanced one in terms of, A, how much you enjoy eating them, how much uh, value you're finding from including a diverse range of fruits in your diet, a little bit of honey and maple syrup, maybe even we forget sometimes that the raw dairy falls into the carbohydrate category too because it's got um, a, a decent amount of naturally occurring sugars in it, and that would kind of soothe the need of the follow-up question around calcium. So, What's the story with carbohydrates for you? What are you currently eating? I know you did mention oxalates. So tell me like how you're including carbohydrates in your diet right now. And tell me, are you consuming any raw dairy? Have you, have you been able to find that liquid gold where you are right now?
2: Um, the raw dairy I have tried the raw cow milk mm-hmm. from a farm locally, but I seem to get a little bit of uh, more um, mucus
0: mm-hmm. when I
2: do the raw dairy. So I've been thinking of trying the raw goat's milk. I understand it's maybe the taste is a little bit different, but I'm considering trying the raw goat's milk. But currently what I've been doing is the bone matrix and the uh, colostrum from heart and soil vitamins.
1: Yeah, lovely. So your calcium is going to be pretty good if you're supplementing those in. Um, Raw goat milk is probably gonna be uh, definitely worth a try at least because I, I guess an issue that still some people can run into even with good quality raw cow's milk is the protein right the a1 beta case versus the a2 and come you know it sounds pretty complex but basically these a2 um, are much more digestion friendly and goat sheep milk etc are more naturally a2 now you can find raw cow's milk from a certain breed of cow that is a2 that's what we have here at headquarters it's all a2a2 grass-fed dairy and it's a little more gut digestion friendly if you're having struggles with that so very smart move you're well-researched and try to source some of that goat milk, but with the bone matrix in there and the colostrum, you're doing pretty good. Calcium in in other foods is not like massively abundant. Obviously, you've got cheeses. And if you wanted to get really crazy, you can grind up eggshells and things like that. But at this point, I wouldn't sweat it too much in terms of your protein needs are higher um, to protect that lean tissue and to just stay active, which signals the body to continue to preserve lean muscle and also signals to the organs to keep pumping well and, and keep keeping that vitality in place so the calcium i'm guessing is kind of looked at through this lens of strengthening bones and things like that but you're also building the connective tissue on top of that by staying active by being with your granddaughter a lot and by moving a lot and making sure we're trying to get somewhere close or northward of that 100 grams of protein number which leaves the last piece of the puzzle that we wanted to talk about which was carbohydrates. so you could be depending on your calories and your activity level You could look at this for anywhere from again one gram per pound of body weight or or a little bit more so you could be up 125 grams of carbohydrates a day you could go up to 200 on highly active days you might find that you feel better in a 75 gram range what this window of opportunity and flexibility affords you i guess is the ability to run the little experiment of what it looks like you know you'd, you'd be hard pressed to come by 200 grams of carbohydrates a day purely from fruit and berries for example you have to eat quite a lot of it but if you find that these foods are really nourishing, they help you diversify your plate, they bring a lot of enjoyment, the healthy snacks for you, then I just don't think that you, in the position that you're in personally, need to be too worried about overdoing carbohydrates unless you saw you know, just obvious signals from your body that it wasn't agreeing with you for some reason or that you saw insidious weight gain, which hearing everything that I've heard from you today just doesn't seem like a real possibility. So. I would shoot again, keeping it easy at something in that, you know, 100, 150 grams of carbohydrate range and just playing with it from there to see how you go. So how, how does that sound on the carbohydrate question, Susan?
2: That sounds very good. Um, I'll be able to enjoy some of the, uh, fruits with my granddaughter yeah. and she always enjoys, you know, my protein. I usually have, uh, hamburgers every day, so he's, um, yeah, he's into that, and so we can go back and forth, that would be wonderful, yeah.
1: Beautiful. Now, you mentioned um, the colostrum product, immuno milk, and you mentioned bone matrix, are you doing any other organs, are you doing any liver, heart, are you taking desiccated, are you old school, you're eating it fresh, liver and onion style, what's going on there?
2: I do do some raw liver, occasionally, frozen. Let's go. Of the raw liver, yes, I do. And, um, so I also, every so often will uh, enjoy the, um, beef organs. Awesome. I take the beef organs to get some of the heart and uh, kidneys with the beef organs too.
1: Yes. I love it. So you're just, you're, you're an example, Susan, you're inspiring me right now. You've got it all going on and I want to get you some, um, maybe some bone marrow in the mix a little bit. So let's get you a liver and and bone marrow supplement for free. We'll send that out to you. And yeah, just thank you for the awesome question today. Thank you for being a great example to us all and your granddaughter and keep being radical, Susan. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Next up is Corey from Idaho. Hello, my friend. Are you with us? Yeah, I'm with you. Hey, Corey. How you doing, man?
0: I'm good. Hey, first off, thank you so much for uh, all the work you guys do. Uh, I really appreciate everything that uh, you guys are constantly putting out. Um, anyways, uh, I had um, I, I had been diagnosed with SIBO, if you're familiar, about mm-hmm. five years ago. Um, I got to a point where I was feeling really, really good, but then I kind of fell off the wagon. Mm-hmm. It was eight things that I wasn't supposed to and things like that. Um, last year, I was feeling really, really terrible. And I ended up um, coming across the carnivore diet. And so I have been strict carnivore for about six months now. Mm -hmm. Um, I tried to reintroduce eggs. I tried to reintroduce cheese and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Pasture raised, you know, uh, raw cheeses, those things. It didn't go so well. Mm. Um, That was not so long ago. I guess my question really is, how would you recommend trying to reintroduce foods and when do I know if I'm ready to reintroduce any foods?
1: Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Kari. It's a great question, man. Um... The how, the how will I know when I'm ready is kind of what you've already experienced a little bit, which is y- your body speaks, right? Like it speaks to you when you try to reintroduce eggs initially and you felt the reaction. That's your body giving you a little bit of, whoa, whoa, hold up here. You know, we're, we're maybe not quite ready for this. And I guess with SIBO and with thinking about a, a long history of less than ideal dieting, let's say, and potentially, you know, going back into childhood and how many rounds of antibiotics did we have and did we ever play in the mud and did we sleep with a dog in the bed and this diversity of gut microbiota and fermented foods and all of this, it can get quite deep really quick and we can kind of have this really compromised gut microbiome, um, potentially leaky gut, uh, gut permeability. And if if the person um, has a leaky gut, has this gut permeability piece going on, which is often the case, I think, for a lot of people, probably an overwhelming majority of people now are going to have some level of gut permeability occurring is potentially any food that we Mm -hmm. eat can cause something like an immune reaction because the body is going to take little undigested pieces of that that's going to get into the bloodstream and mount a response to it. So the reintroduction of eggs is an interesting one for me because I'm wondering if when you were having you know, flare ups and and the SIBO days and things weren't going so well for you and you quote unquote like relapsed a little bit into some poorer habits. The the body also has like an antigenic memory of it coded for this being a a bad guy, let's call it. And when you reintroduced, it Mm. mounted an immune response to it because that's been a foreign invader in the past. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that that food is a bad food, of course. Like it's, it's an egg. It's an amazing food. It's very nutrient dense. We'd love to get you to a position that you could eat eggs regularly. But people often develop food intolerances and food allergies and autoimmune like reactions to foods that they eat very often and egg and egg protein is in a lot of packaged and it's just also very common in our diet so I'm curious if, if something might be going on there particularly as well with dairy which is also very common obviously very different to speak about dairy in the frame of you know you're going out and you're finding locally sourced raw milk and cheese and obviously again an incredibly nutrient dense food but in a body that's compromised and maybe has a little bit of this lingering you know tendency to flare up and autoimmune then maybe the healing process just needs to be stretched out a little bit longer and it's going to be the case, you know, to, to really get into the meat and potatoes of your question of uh, just a little bit, you know, a little bit on a rotation to just try, you know, it probably wouldn't be smart to say, oh, I think you're fine now, Corey, go and eat, you know, five eggs tomorrow because it's gonna be an overwhelming intake of a food that you've removed for a long time. But the carnivore diet is the ultimate elimination diet. For severely compromised guts, it can kind of hopefully heal and seal and then give us the new, fertile soil, if you will, to increase and diversify our food for not just nutritional, um, but also enjoyment levels. So hearing the last time you tried these foods, they didn't sit so well with you and kind of going back into this safe zone of strict carnivore. How long has that been now? Where are you sitting on that? Are you kind of getting ready again to think that you've put a good string of time together and you're ready to start to slowly reintroduce these foods?
0: Um, so honestly, I tried cheeses, mm, probably like a week or two ago Mm -hmm. and that's, um, it, it, so it's pretty fresh that I've tried that one, but I've been trying them one at a time, of course, Mm -hmm. and I haven't, I haven't been putting them all together. Um, so I'm just taking it slow. Um, but like I said, I've been strict carnivore for about six months. I did eggs probably a month and a half to two months ago now, Mm -hmm. um, trying those. And so I've, I've kind of been spreading it out. Um, but that, that's kind of where I'm at at introducing things. I'm not sure where I want to introduce the next thing or what I should be trying to introduce. Yeah. Okay. Uh, going forward.
1: Okay. Are you doing anything right now from a supplemental standpoint? I know sometimes SIBO, you could see like even targeted herbs, things like oil of oregano, or are you doing any anything that you have, have learned about, heard about that you are targeting for gut health and supplementation?
0: So I did do uh, like an oil of oregano blend, um, several years ago, mm-hmm. um, when I actually did get to the point where I was feeling okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but I haven't done anything like that recently.
1: Okay, cool. It, it can be helpful. Um, it's not always the case for everybody, but those like kind of antiparasitics if the SIBO is still lingering around, but honestly with, with for six months, I'd, I'd be hoping that you, you're really clearing this up now. You might want to look into binders. Something like an activated charcoal and, and and a flush that way to maybe pull out some junk which might still be lingering. if If I was in your case right mm. now, the first thing I would probably do is try to support the the gut as well through targeted supplementation. So the one thing that I want to support you on here is, I'm a huge fan of the colostrum um, uh, product that we've got here, immuno Milk, And we have another product as well, Gut and Digestion. And I would actually like to get you uh, you know, one of those each because I think this could potentially be a little missing piece here to provide you with the raw materials that can, can really help. And then on top of that, I would be going for just the most digestion-friendly foods that I know of. So obviously stick to all the things that you're eating right now with no flare-ups. And I would go to like a very gut friendly, little bit of fruit at first to see how that sits. Um, And maybe that's even like, you know, freshly squeezed by your own hand, orange juice or, you know, a little bit of banana to see how those carbohydrates kind of feel down there. With the eggs, you get a little tricky sometimes because there can be some proteins in the whites more so. Um, than in the yolk so what you might want to do is next time you're feeling brave enough to try eggs again try to just do a yolk for example instead of the white and you might find that the sensitivity is more to do with the white than it is to do with the yolk and if you can get um you know egg yolks back into your diet it's a a nutrient-dense you know power bomb right there which would be great to start slowly increasing and i guess the last point that i would i would want to check in with um because you know it seems like you've you've taken yourself pretty pretty much all of the way with the diet stuff is the stress management stuff. Like how, how is stress and how is sleep and how is sunlight and how is movement? Because I think a lot of this gut stuff can have a, have a story that's kind of building on from those factors too.
0: So the stresses, I mean, I've, I've definitely got stresses. They're up, up and down. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm in sales, which is certainly mm-hmm. kind of stressful, but um, yeah, the, the sleep is um, up and down. Um, sometimes with, That from what I've researched, you know, the, uh, the, uh, insomnia sometimes Mm. with carnivore. Mm. Um, I get some of that. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I I don't know. Those things are certainly there, but I don't feel like they're an, a significant factor right now.
1: Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, I mean, you might want to reconsider just trying, obviously, I'm sure you're trying your best anyway to at least, um, have the the ability to close the loop on trying to make sure that they are absolutely not a factor by really being intentional about them. You know, this insomnia and the electrolyte issues and the sleep issues that we hear about sometimes in the carnivore community point at something and that is a stress response, right? And Anything we do where we negatively impact sleep is going to slow down our healing because that is where we heal. So I think, you know, the, the goal here of, you know, fixing this diet piece will fix the sleep piece and it will be kind of maybe a chicken and egg scenario here. But also the stress management, I know sales and deadlines and your performance pressure is high. So my invitation to you would be to think about a little something here that you can do that's just a little bit more grounding and playful for you. Maybe it's an extra morning walk that you might not currently be doing or checking in with something you've not done for a while you like to play basketball and shoot hoops as a kid like go do that a little bit more and really just try to be intentional about getting that into the routine a couple of times a week and really addressing the stress even if you don't feel like it's a huge player in this story right now I'd be willing to bet that it's a bigger story than most people realize and especially hearing that sleep has been a little bit of an issue I think if we can move the needle even just 10% there that is going to massively improve the healing here so best of luck, Corey, we'll get you those supplements out. And I think that you're, you're well on the right way, a little bit, very intentional and listening to your body, single foods. Uh, this is part of the healing and, and really take a look at that stress piece, my man. And I think you, I think you're, you're close. So keep, keep the faith and keep moving forward. All thank right, guys, so that is it for today. Thank you to our callers. Thank you to our listeners, of course. We wouldn't be doing this without you. I hope after today's uh, episode, you have uh, a new fresh luck at goal setting. I hope you're going to kind of sit with this afterwards and maybe take time to... Um, Set some new goals, update your goals, update your values, really dig into asking that question. Oh yeah, like what is it that I want? Where am I heading? What is my current trajectory and do I feel good about that? Because if you feel good about all of that, cool, you just keep doing you. But most of the time when I check in with people, they're kind of like, oh yeah, I can see there are some blind spots here that I couldn't see before and now we just get to bring awareness to it and awareness is the first step to changing anything because you cannot change anything anything that you are not aware of. So that's why we do this. It's always just adding a new tool to the tool belt. And I hope that today you got an extra little tool on your tool belt. So thank you for tuning in as always. If you found this useful, please let us know in the comments, like, subscribe, share it with a friend that you think could do with some help on setting some goals and uh, radically upgrading their life as well we will see you next time friends stay radical peace out all right friends thanks for tuning in to another episode of radical health radio we got a fresh new podcast for you every wednesday if you enjoyed the show consider liking subscribing reviewing and rating us on your podcast platform it helps to spread this message of radical health we'll see you next week